So last week, uh, Alex and Stanley did a great job kicking off the month of November by focusing on the topic of gratitude. And we're going to continue on that topic this morning and really for the rest of this month uh, as we prepare our hearts for the Thanksgiving holiday and uh, beyond, you know, into the new year. Um, it's, it's good to reflect on gratitude and uh, it's an important part of our lives and our health. Uh, Nathan uh, hit it perfectly. You know, even the word Eucharist, that, that communion that we share together, the word is thanksgiving. That, that's where we get that word. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to be talking about thanksgiving and gratitude. You know, it can be so difficult. Uh, Nathan also mentioned, yeah, we can just Google any answer, that we, any question that we want. We can get an answer very quickly. And having that kind of access to information uh, is so commonplace now that it, we just take it for granted. Um, whether it's a supernatural thing or a natural thing that we need, they, these, I, these things become so commonplace that we just easily take them for, for granted. Uh, I think sometimes we can believe that the universe owes us uh, a living, that we, we don't want to be indebted to God or to anyone else, and we value our freedom, and we want to believe that our efforts and our smarts and our skills have been the source of our blessings, and we forget that those things actually were never owed to us in the first place. Uh, we lose sight of the protection that we've been shown by God, uh, the favors that we've been shown by other people, the benefits and the blessings that come with just living where we live and being born at the time that we've been born. And when we forget these things, we're rendered spiritually and morally bankrupt. Uh, I think it's hard to improve upon the words of our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln. And uh, he said this in 1863. I thought it was a, a great quote that applies still now. He says, We have grown in numbers, in wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown, and yet we've forgotten God. Uh, we've forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us, and we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Uh, it's it's crazy. We, that could be said right now and still be applicable. Yeah. What is he really saying? Well, I think he's saying, one, it's difficult to be grateful just because we forget. We forget. Uh, and, and we don't think about it all the time. And because we've forgotten, then it's easy uh, to not be grateful. But then the second one, and it hurts a little bit more. The second one hurts a little bit more. Because it's not a big deal to be forgetful. You forget something. Okay, whatever. I forgot. And then you remember. And then you forget again. And then you remember an increasing uh, measure as we get older. Right? I, I just forgot. I, I, I don't know. Um, but then when we remember, we're reminded. But this second one, it, it's harder. And it says that we vainly imagine or we deceitfully imagine that all of the good things that we have were produced by some kind of superior wisdom that we have or have obtained or some virtuous characteristic that we have where we're even now uh, believing that we, we've created the good things that we have in our life. And how dangerous can that be? Uh, I want to open the Bible up to Luke 17 this morning. Let's go there together, Luke 17. And this is a great story where 
There are people that have an opportunity to be thankful, but not all of them take that opportunity. Uh, This is the story of Jesus healing ten men with leprosy. So we'll start in uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 11. It says this in uh, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. So Jesus enters a certain village. There he meets these ten lepers. And it's not unusual for these lepers to congregate together. Uh, They are the outcasts of society at large, and they have no company other than uh, other lepers. And so they're keeping away from other people. They've been forbidden by law and custom to come near those who were healthy for fear of infecting them. And you can see in Leviticus and in Numbers and in Kings, uh, this has been set up and it's now part of their culture. But Jesus comes to them, and uh, even though they're a mixed group of people, it's Jews and Samaritans together, you know, they're, they're, they're bonded in their misery. Their national and other prejudices have actually been pushed aside and they've vanished as now they're the, the, the only company that they can have are other people that also have leprosy. And so that bond is even stronger than those uh, nationally that would usually keep people separate. And Jesus says to these guys, go, show yourselves to the priests. Um, It's remarkable that Jesus asks them to go to the priests while they're still lepers. This is really an act of them stepping out on faith. Uh, They're they're being uh, thrust into it. Okay, we've been lepers for a long time. The The priests are clean. They have nothing to do with it. They don't want anything to do with us. But they decide, okay, well, we've got nothing to lose. Let's, Let's go do this. Uh, The condition of the healing was the obedience. Uh, They were ordered, and so they must obey. Um, If he was master, as they cried, because, you know, they they cry out and they call him master. But if he really was their master, then he's going to have to, they're going to have to prove that by their obedience to what he said to go do. And God honors this kind of faith, right? Uh, With this faith, he can work miracles. God says, go do something, and then you, in obedience, have faith, and you go do that, God can work with that. Um, He's, uh, he who won't believe until he receives what he's called for is never really likely to be saved. It's like, well, yeah, 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 I'll I'll believe, but let me see that it's going to work first. Uh, That's not the kind of faith that that God calls us to have. And so, they were, they were cleansed. They, They did this thing. They were obedient. And just as God uh, bless the faith of the lepers to step out as a new man, then we feel like 
you know, okay, he's going to bless us too. He can bless us in that same way. Um, if we go on this commanded road, then we're going to experience that kind of blessing. And the church should obey uh, the commands of the Lord Jesus and do so with enthusiasm. If we do, we can be healed. Okay, but now we come to an interesting turn in the story. Only one out of ten of the lepers return to give thanks. All ten were willing to do the religious part of the ceremony. That is to go to the priest, right? They're willing to do that part of it. But only one was filled with praise and with thanksgiving. And now, that, that's kind of like us too. You know, we're, we're willing to do the religious exercises because those are easy enough. They're common enough. But the internal matters, the, the, the matters of drawing out the heart in a thankful sort of love, that's very rare. Uh, nine will obey ritual where only one will praise the Lord. So Jesus asks this question to the Samaritan. You know, where, where's the other guys? You know, weren't all ten cleansed? But, so where are the other nine? You're the only one that came back. Jesus cared about the nine. He missed the nine who did not return to give thanks. And he wondered, hey, where, where are those guys? I think Jesus, is also, Jesus also notices our lack of gratitude. Uh, we, really, we really can. We can always find reason to give God gratitude. Uh, there's this story. Um, Matthew Henry, okay, he's a famous commentator, a Bible commentator. If, if you've Googled the Bible, you've probably seen his name. He's one of the first commentaries. It's free now because there's so many other ones, but it's out there. And there's this story about him. He, he had his, rob, uh, his, his wallet robbed from him, stolen from him. And in his diary, he wrote about that situation, and he, he wrote four things that he was thankful for in, uh, you know, in having his wallet stolen from him. Uh, first, that he had never been robbed before. This is a first for him. Thanks that I was never robbed before. You know, that, that was interesting. And then second, thanks that they took my wallet, but they didn't take my life. You know, I, still, I still have something else here. Third, uh, you know... Even though they took it, it wasn't really very much. <laughs> you know, th- thanks for it not being a whole lot in the first place. And then finally, that he was the one who was robbed and wasn't the one doing the robbing. He, he thanked God that uh, he understood that that wasn't something that he was going to do, and uh, therefore he was right before God. It's kind of interesting. It's like we can always find things to be grateful for if we just reflect on our, our real situation and how it could have been different. Uh, Jesus tells the Samaritan leper, your faith has made you well. Uh, there was extra healing for the tenth leper. When Jesus said this, he, he really, I think, was likely meaning the, the working that had happened within this man's heart. The, the other lepers, their bodies were cleansed. They were clean, but they still had sick hearts. Uh, the, the whole of themselves was not healed. But for this one, the one that came back and showed thanks, his faith made him completely well. So how was his faith shown? Uh, that's a question we can ask ourselves and then try to replicate it in our own lives. How was his faith shown? Well, it was shown in the physical act of him showing up, coming back to Jesus, throwing himself humbly at his feet and thanking him for the healing that was made possible uh, through Jesus. Why didn't the other guys come back? I, this is something that I've wrestled with 
for this week, uh, as I've been thinking about this, why didn't the, other, the others come back? Um, there's maybe a lot of reasons, uh, but I haven't really given it very much thought before. And so I, I spent a little bit of time and I'm, I'm thinking, well, maybe like the, the quote from Abraham Lincoln, maybe they've forgotten. They were so excited. Uh, they were so excited about their new life and the opportunity to reconnect with people from before that the priority of going back to the source of the healing just it dropped lower in the list of priority. Well, I haven't been able to see my family for years. I've got to go see my family. I haven't been able to even just eat with other people, my friends. I'm going to go back and I've got to do that. And so it was pushed down in priority. That could be. It could be that they forgot. Um, and, and we could sit in judgment of them and say, well, if I was healed, I'd never forget. Yeah, but, but let's not be so quick. Sure, sure we have. Sure we have. And there's a lot of times we haven't been thankful and we've forgotten really what we have that's so good. Second, uh, also, you know, pulling from that Lincoln quote, maybe they vainly thought that they had earned the healing. I've been suffering for so long. I, I deserve to be well at this point. I, I, I've earned it. I, man, I, was, I followed all the Levitical laws. I, I, I followed all the rules. And I, wasn't, I didn't infect myself. This was inflicted on me from somebody else. Can you imagine uh, situations where the leprosy was passed, maybe even in, act, in an act of goodness? This person was trying to help somebody, and, and then they, that's how the disease was transmitted. Man, I was trying to do something good, and this was transmitted to me. Can you imagine just all the different scenarios where someone could believe there's no reason that I should have been the one who was sick in the first place? Therefore, I didn't deserve the sickness, so when I got healed, I was restored to the place that I should have been all along. I didn't choose to be in this situation in the first place. I didn't I didn't need that healing. Even, so you, you can understand the logical places that we could go in our mind to then justify why we wouldn't even need to be grateful because we earned it in the first place. We had it all along. We should have had it all along. Or maybe they just wanted to be free and they didn't want to be indebted or enslaved to anyone. They wanted to do what they wanted to do and they didn't want to recognize where it was that that blessing had come from. Don't you so, so much desire uh, your own freedom? Your own willingness to, I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it. I want to set the temperature at the temperature that I want to enjoy in my home. And if it's one or two degrees off, man, I'm, if it's freezing in here. Or it's so hot in here, right? I, 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 just, I want it how I want it. And, I, I, and it should be that way because... I desire it to be that way. And just your desire alone justifies your discontent when it, it doesn't, your reality doesn't line up with what it is that you desire. I, just, I, I find that it's so easy. It's so easy to feel like, man, I, just because I want it, I'm justified in having it. There's a certain level of guilt that can come um, now, I want, to try to, I want to try to connect these. I feel like the emotions of gratitude and guilt are so close, so intertwined. 
They, they rely on one another in some way, or they can. And it really it shouldn't be that way, but, but it is. Now, follow me for a second. So if I'm indebted, if I'm indebted, then I didn't earn it myself. If I'm indebted, I didn't earn it myself. And if I didn't earn it myself, then I needed someone else. Okay? So if I needed some, someone else, even though this isn't true... If we need someone else, then our brains tell us that we've done something wrong. I should be able to take care of myself. I should be able to, I should be able to, I could have done, and when we're not able to do that, there's some guilt associated because I ought to have been able to have done that. Now, this is even more true for those of us who maybe have a perfectionistic mindset. Man, I, I want to, I know the standard. I want to meet the standard. But if we're unable to, there's some guilt associated with being unable to meet that standard. Guilt, it's this feeling that you've done something wrong or that you failed to do something that you weren't supposed to do. Where does it come from? Well, you know, guilt only exists if you actually care about things, right? If you don't care about anything, then there's no guilt. Uh, I, I'm, I'm free, I'm free to feel whatever I want, but... That's not, that's not real. Uh, everybody has some degree of, man, I should have done this or I could have done this and I wasn't able to. Everybody in here has made bad choices, uh, things that they've done that they wish that they could take back. Guilt is this indication that we're not living our best life. Somewhere inside of us, there's something saying, there's a version of myself that I'm presenting right now, but it's not the real me. I can be better. I can do better. I want to be better. And I understand that the expectation is that I would be better. There's this idea that, okay, yeah, maybe I did do the things that you said that I did, but I'm not what you say that I am. The real me is far better, right? And that the guilt prevents us from seeing how things really are. Have you ever done anything in your life that did not really reflect who you really were? Something that you did and then instantly afterwards you think, ah, that's not me. That's not, I, that, that's not who I am. But, but now that thing that happened is out in the open and it's representing who you are. And then you start feeling all sorts of feelings about it because, no, no, oh, shoot, I said this, but, man, this was, man I, that's not me. And there's this guilt associated. Guilt only exists in places that you care. And so then we begin to manage these feelings in a lot of different ways, some healthy, some not healthy. There's a temptation to change the story, to make it easier on ourselves. You know, uh, well, no, I didn't really do that. I didn't really feel that. I didn't really think that. There's a temptation to change the story. But until we really own what has happened, then we can't grow. And we, we can't be healed if we don't own what it is that we've done or we own the things that we need from other people. Okay, so for, for the lepers, and let's just bring it back to the lepers. I think there's a possibility that some of them did not want to recognize that they could have not received healing unless they had gone to Jesus. Now, they knew, like, if they, if they reflected on their actual situation, they would have known, man, I've tried everything, and life was hopeless up until this point, and Jesus was the only reason why I was able to be well. But if you come to that conclusion, then the next conclusion is inevitable. The one that says, I couldn't have done this by myself. 
I needed someone else, and if I need other people, then I've done something wrong. And that's, a, that, that's an unhealthy pattern of guilt that we can carry in our life. The question that we have to ask ourselves Am I guilty really enough to do something in my life to fix it? Am I guilty enough to fix it? Now, guilt, guilt can be a very, don't get me wrong, it can be an incredibly negative, bad thing. But it's also part of our human psyche and how we've been built so that we would have a response when we do things that are incorrect where we could say, oh, wait, I need to change this. And then we decide to change it. We decide to go to the source of the healing and not think that we didn't need it in the first place. You know, I I would argue that most of the time, it's very difficult to humble ourselves. It's very difficult. There's an arrogance that exists in our lives, and it exists, and, and it says either, I didn't do it, and if I didn't do it, then I'm not guilty, and I don't need to change. Or there's, hey, I deserve to be excused for my bad behavior. And that, that particular type of arrogance rests heavily on a spirit of entitlement, which is, is kind of what I talked about with the lepers before. Like, I deserved this all along, I never deserve, or I never deserved this all along, and so man, this, was, this was coming to me anyway, I should have been healed. And that kind of entitlement can lead to all sorts of different excuses. But guilt that leads to change is a powerful thing. Um, I want to I want to make a, a quick um, caveat here. So, shame and guilt are different, and so I want to I want to identify some differences between shame and guilt because shame is highly correlated with a lot of negative action. So, addiction, depression, aggression, right? These things are connected to shame, but in contrast, guilt is actually linked to a lot of positive things like empathy, and, and having a good and healthy perspective of the world around you. There's, there's a vulnerability that we all have to have as disciples that says, I need you, God, and I need other people. And we don't have to feel guilty about that at all. You, of course, need God and need other people. But in our heart of hearts, we don't want to have the vulnerability to say those things out loud or act in a way that would reflect that we believe those things. We all make mistakes. This doesn't make us a failure, though. And we all need the help of other people, and that's totally okay. How many uh, in this room, you know, would be willing to say, you know, if you've made a mistake or you've done something that was hurtful to me or to somebody else, you'd say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Like, that's necessary. You're gonna, you have to be able to do that. Guilt is being able to say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I, I, need, I need help. But shame is different. Now, shame says, I'm sorry, and I am a mistake. Okay, see the difference. Guilt says, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Shame, though, tells you, I'm sorry, I am the mistake. It's, it's an identity thing. And there's a huge difference between those two feelings of shame and guilt. You know, it's, everybody in here knows the feeling, the, the wash of shame that can come over us. It's, you know, we're, we're pretty sure that we're the only people 
that are experiencing it, even though that's entirely not true. We've all experienced it. Um, and it's even, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's different for men and for women. You know, the, the, this feeling of shame, it's different for men and for women. For women, uh, shame, like shame is you've got to do it all, do it perfectly, and never let them see you sweat. Right? Shame for women is this uh, unattainable, conflicting, competing expectations about who and what we're supposed to be. It's a straitjacket. It's impossible to obtain. And you see it more and more in, in social media and things like this. Like you're supposed to be all of these things. A perfect mom and a business superpower. And, and you're supposed to get it all at the same time. And I, that's, it's, it's unattainable. And there's no reason that your identity ought to be attached to those things. For men, though, it's, it's different. Shame is not a bunch of competing, conflicting expectations. Shame for men is just one thing. Don't be perceived as weak. That's it. For men, that, that's all it is. Shame is don't be perceived as weak. It's, it's an epidemic in our culture. And to get out from underneath it, we've got to find a way back to each other. We've got to find and understand how it affects us, how it affects the way that we're parenting, the way that we're working, uh, the, the, the way that our church operates. We've got to get, up, get under this thing. You know, we've got to find a way back to each other and understand. Because when we do, then we'll have empathy for other people and understand where the source of healing really comes from. Empathy is it's the antidote to shame. You know, there, there's, there's three things that I think that, uh, you know, if you were to put shame in a Petri dish, it just needs three things to grow exponentially, and that's secrecy and silence and judgment. Okay, secrecy and silence and judgment. Well, when those three things are allowed in your life, the, the shame cycle just gets worse and worse. But with empathy, with empathy, with vulnerability, the, these things can't exist, and we're going to be able to get away from, from this kind of shame that is in our life. Okay, um, I, I've got one more quote for us uh, to think about. Uh, this, this one from Roosevelt. And uh, he says, this is known as the man in the arena quote. And I think it's, it's helpful for us uh, talking about these, these items that we've talked about this morning and to get us to the heart of gratitude that I think God desires. He says this, it's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there's no effort without error and shortcoming. But who actually does strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. The heart of this quote, what, what he's saying what he's saying is, get in the arena. Okay, get in the arena. Don't be so petrified by shame or guilt that, or just having a critical spirit that you wouldn't be able to just get in the arena. And to, to turn this in a spiritual way, you know, we, we've got to be able to be used by God saying, 
I know that I have my flaws, I know I have imperfections, but I want to be used for, used for you and by you in any way that you want. But we can't do this. We can't do this if we don't recognize where true healing comes from. Unless we're grateful for where true healing can come from. There's a lot of lies in the culture, a lot of lies even in our own minds that say, I'm enough, I can do it by myself. No, you're not enough. You're not enough. No, yeah, it, it, now, in a way, don't take that the wrong way. You're, God's made you in his image, and that is enough. Okay, God is love, that is enough. But when we think, like, I can do this all by myself, no, you can't. And it actually, when you say, I can do this all by myself, then what we're doing is we're responding to life like the nine lepers who said, I don't need to go back to the source of healing. I, I don't even recognize that this is where the healing came from. The one who came back said, you know, I trust, I trust that I can be used by God, but it starts with a recognition of where the blessing comes from, and, and an expression of gratitude shown in life. You know, it, it can be seductive to stay outside of the arena. You know, and it, it really can. It, we think, like, when I'm perfect, when I'm bulletproof, then I'll enter into the arena. Like, when I'm sure that I can't fail, then I'll be used by God. Then I'll serve. That's seductive. It sounds great. It's just impossible. <laughs> The truth is that that will never happen. And even if you got as perfect as you could be, as bulletproof as you could be, when you eventually did step into the arena, that's not what anybody else wants to see anyway. We want to see somebody who's willing to fight, willing to go into the arena, wanting, and then we, like somebody who's relatable that we can say, yeah, I, I'm inspired to get into the arena now as well because I see somebody with flaws who decides I'm going to do this thing anyway. Man, those are the people that are daring greatly and the people that are inspiring to be led by and to be fighting this battle with alongside. Gratitude is incredibly important, and it's the first step of us getting into the arena uh, to be used by God. There's a lot that we have to be grateful for. Uh, We could go on and on about the character of God, about how great He is. I mean, He's holy. He's holy. He's, he's love defined. You know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of ways you know, that we could express those things. Um, I, I just want to encourage us this morning, get into the arena with a heart of gratitude. Be like the one who came back, recognizing the source of healing and thanking God for it. Amen. <laughs>